The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are talking about why Packer fans are dreaming if they think Debo Samuel is coming to their team. We'll do edru- not edge rushers, middle linebackers and safeties with Murph and special teams. We do a little bit of special teams as well in that one. A fun way to wrap up the draft manifesto. Thank you for Murph again doing that. And then we will do the Wisconsin Shotsky. We'll talk Brewers. We'll talk Boogie. We'll talk NBA playoffs. We'll give some PSAs. Be a good-ass time. Trust me. It'll be a lot of fun. And that'll be our show for today. Uh, but before we get started, you guys know the deal. you got to follow along on Twitter, tapping the keg. Follow along on Instagram, tapping the keg sports. That's also the TikTok handle. That's also a Facebook handle. Make sure you're following one. Make sure you're following a few. I don't really care. Just follow a couple of them. And when you're done doing that, then you can make sure that you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify. If you already are subscribed, I better be seeing more ratings, more reviews coming in. We just I keep saying it every podcast and we see still see the same numbers. Tells me you are not doing your job. Or that's just the amount of people that listen on a regular basis. I don't know. Uh, but let's see some more reviews come in. Um, and if I have to have this talk with you guys again next Wednesday, I don't know what we're going to do. There might be some consequences. Just kidding. I love you all. All right. Let's talk about Debo Samuel. So Debo Samuel is not going to be a 49er, nor does... I guess he doesn't want to be a 49er. Maybe I shouldn't go as strong as to say he's not going to be a 49er. Debo Samuel could still be a 49er, but right now... Things are turbulent with the the 49ers and and their star gadget player, their star receiver, star running back. I don't really understand it. I'm kind of dumbfounded by the whole thing, truth be told, because I feel like Debo Samuel is the perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense. I don't know if there are a lot of offenses that could make Debo Samuel work. Maybe the Miami Dolphins, who have Matt, Mike McDaniel, who have Shanahan's offense. Maybe Sean McVay, who, again, is kind of under the Shanahan tree. Or maybe the Green Bay Packers and under Matt LaFleur. The funny thing about McVay and LaFleur is they play on two of San Francisco's rivals. And there is a 0.0% chance that the San Francisco 49ers are going to trade Debo Samuel to the Green Bay Packers. As much as we want to pipe dream, as much as we want to talk about the potential, talk about what that could be like with Aaron Rodgers and Debo on the same football field, it is not going to happen. I could see so many other... The Packers would be more likely to draft Jahan Dotson or Devontae Watt than they would be to get Debo Samuel. Like It is so unrealistic that Debo Samuel is going to be a member of the Green Bay Packers. If if Debo Samuel is a member of the Green Bay Packers, then the New Orleans Pelicans are going to win the series over the Phoenix Suns in an all-time... Like, that's how unrealistic this thing is going to be because I just cannot see it. I cannot see it at all. And it all comes down to you do not trade with your rival. Look at the trades that happen in the NFL. They are always usually NFC to AFC or AFC to NFC. It's rare that you trade a, a player inside of the division. You, For example, let's start with some quarterback stuff, right? You had Carson Wentz getting traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington Commanders. You had Matt Ryan get traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts. When it came to wide receivers, you had Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders. You had Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins. I'll put a pin in that one because I think it's worth coming back to. Yes, there are situations like Tyreek Hill and the Miami Dolphins, like Matthew Stafford to 
the Los Angeles Rams, like Deshaun Watson, to the Cleveland Browns. But all of those are nuanced examples. The Lions were not competing for a playoff spot with the, the Los Angeles Rams, so they had no problem trading into the Rams. Pretty easy. The Chiefs do not feel threatened by the Miami Dolphins. If I were a Miami Dolphin fan, and hopefully Tuanon doesn't come at me, I would feel kind of insulted that the Chiefs would trade inside their division because to, the Chiefs don't think that the Dolphins are going to be a factor in the playoffs, so they're not worried about Tyreek Hill burning them in January and that being the story on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And for Deshaun Watson, first of all, he has legality issues where he might be suspended for the first six games. Two, Houston is a rudderless ship. I, I think you're going to start seeing, like, here comes Houston next year. They have so many top draft picks, and if they utilize them well, and if they do a really good job with it, I think Davis Mills is kind of something. So I do think next year we might be talking about, well, look out for Houston. Maybe Houston can slide into that last playoff spot like a sneaky team. I think they're a year away from kind of being something. But they right now they're running a ship. So they had no reason to, you know, say, oh, we're only going to trade Deshaun to the NFC because they're not going to be in the playoffs. They're not going to be in a championship game. They have nothing to fear. And so when it comes back to the Packers and Debo Samuel, they're not going to trade Debo Samuel to one of their rivals. That's just not going to happen. That would never happen. It, it, it's it's a video game, right? It's a fantasy football trade. That's the type of stuff that's happening. And it's not going to happen in the actual NFL. Some people could be like, well, Charlie, why did you suggest Terry McLaurin could go to the Green Bay Packers on Monday? Well, the Commanders are not necessarily a playoff team right now. They are a fringe playoff team at best. Um, if a couple things break their way, Carson Wentz becomes 2017 Carson Wentz again. Um, yeah, maybe they are a playoff team, but right now they are not a legit Stone Cold Lock playoff team, and that's why I think they'd be more open to trading with a team like the Packers because they're not their rivals. The rivals for the Redskins, or excuse me, the Commanders, only are the NFC East, and of course they wouldn't trade to the 49 or the Cowboys, excuse me, or or other teams in that division. So Debo Samuel is not going to the NFC. So if he does leave for the AFC, if Debo Samuel gets traded, that will be a major talent suck out of the world of football, right? If I were the tight Tennessee Titans and the San Francisco 49ers, I would at least place a phone call to one another and be like, hey, your receivers causing fits, ours is too. Maybe we just do a quick swap. We kind of forget about it all. They get A.J. Brown. Titans get Debo Samuel, and then you're just you just go on with your day. The other thing I will say, and I said this in a posted it on Instagram and TikTok, but I'll say it here too. They are not going to bring in a guy that they have to pay right away. They have too many guys they're trying to pay. They gotta pay Jair Alexander. They have to pay Eldon Jenkins, and now Jair's contract is all fucked up because of Denzel Ward, who got $71 million of guaranteed money, and that's just not going to cut it. Like that, You cannot have that because Denzel Ward, A, is not worth $71 million in guaranteed, and nor is Jair Alexander. So that's a problem in its own right. But 
that's even more reason why you're not trading for a wide receiver. You are simply going to get guys in the draft. You're going to draft and develop. Your model has been really successful. They have drafted so many good receivers in the top 100. Pete Bukowski had the full list today, and it's worth reading. They don't miss. They rarely miss that top 100 when it comes to wide receivers. I think the Packers know what they do, they're doing, and I would be absolutely floored if Debo Samuel was part of that plan. Let's talk the last round of the draft. Let's talk linebackers. Let's talk safeties. Little special teams with Murph. Much appreciated for him doing this. Uh, maybe we'll have a Murph appearance um, before the draft is next week, and then I'll recap as well, if possible. I got to see with his schedule. He's going out to Mexico for the draft, so I don't know if his schedule is going to be tight. We'll try to see if we can get Murph on the show before the draft starts on Thursday. All right, here is Murph. All right, another and last edition of the Murph Draft Manifesto. We are talking linebackers and a little bit of safeties. Uh, Murph is here with us again. You can find him at Nolan Murphy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the big board will be out, what, Tuesday, Wednesday? Draft. Tuesday, Wednesday of the draft. It'll be, it'll be maybe the first thing written on Tapping Keg Sports in a, a long, long time. time. Yeah, it'll be like Bill Simmons writing in the ringer. My fingers yeah. <laughs> somehow still work. Mine don't. I, um, I, I always have uh, something going on the week of the draft where I'm up late. It's a <laughs> tradition like no other. Um, you know, a lot of cups of coffee from Folgers have been used over the years. Get him, um, get the guy a sponsor. Yeah, huh? exactly. Maybe Collectivo can step up to the plate. Uh, maybe even Black Rifle Coffee. But... Uh, yeah, uh, it'll be out before I get on a plane to Cabo San Lucas. Uh, there you go. I'll be spending draft week. So. Exactly. Yeah, my work's already been done at that point. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're going to do the picture, the Instagram live from the Dread the War Room. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be yeah. you're like, you know. Maybe with one of those coconut like, yeah. uh, mocktails or something like that. Maybe somebody fanning me with uh, some sort of uh, leaf and something like that. Big Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt vibes. Maybe. Maybe dip into the two of Marcus Mariota draft uh, draft day. Wear. If, if I if I had to put odds on you getting your bald head sunburned in the first day, I would say it's it's off the table. Oh, see, I'm protective of the head. Oh, okay. I, I hate to look at you know those relatives you have or friends you that are older that have like the sunspots on their head. So I'm actually overprotective with the dome. Interesting. I'm so you go like have, SPF 100. Yeah, on I'm more to have the Stuart sink. You take the hat off and it looks like I'm wearing a, a swim cap. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking linebackers. Uh, you, some might be like Charlie Murph. Why? Why are we talking linebackers? We signed Devondre Campbell. Like we don't. We don't need a linebacker. Well, on contraire, Mo and Frere, it's a a loaded linebacker draft, and B, you still need help there. You still need that guy who can kind of be the rangy dude. While Devondre Campbell did a lot to stabilize the middle, you're still looking for his counterpart. You're still looking. For his Robin, and that's a that's a contract we could get out of too, right. pretty quickly. Yes, exactly. And Chris Barnes, while I liked him, and Chris Barnes is kind of one of my guys, I don't know if Chris Barnes is a sustainable uh, offense linebacker starter. Now, Packers have famously been known to not draft linebackers, so it would be hilariously ironic if. The one year Green Bay has two first round picks if one of them's used on a linebacker. Well, and I'd be fine because hey, I hope uh, our new special teams coach understands that Ty Summers cannot be on the on the field anymore. Oh look, Ty Summers, if you would talk about least favorite Packers for our group chat, our our friendship, Ty Summers is way up there. 
Um, we've hated Ty Summers really from the start. Um, it's really nothing against Ty Summers. It's it's just, yeah, I don't know. You have to find a middle linebacker. Hey, I hate Brad Jones forever. Ty, Ty Summers filled the Brad Jones role really here. Yeah, Brad Jones stunk for a long time. Dunk foot Brad Jones, yes. And I think this is a need, too, because Oren Burke's no longer on the roster. Yep, now with San Francisco. Um, yeah, now with San Francisco. I'm sure he'll be a great player there. Yeah, probably. Uh, which will be... You know, really fun to see, and it's just something of need. I think overall, you know, the Oren Burks experiment was not something that worked out. Uh, Chauncey Rivers is a guy that I believe will be on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we screwed around a lot at linebacker for a number of years. I can't even think of the Minnesota kid. Uh, um, oh, uh, Kamal Martin. Kamal Martin, who's not on the team anymore. Nope. He could never stay healthy. Um, and, you know, we've tried some veteran guys, you know, over the years. Um, Christian Kirksey did not work out. Nope. So I think having a, a linebacker that can play three downs is something that you need in the NFL now. Yep. Um, and it's a big draft. Um, so we do want to do Nicobe Dean thing. Let's do Nicobe Dean yeah. first because I'm Dean's fascinated. Rogue. I think he's Rokon Smith. He's a leader. He was the captain of the Georgia defense, it felt like. Right. And he's extremely rangy. People think he's undersized, but like those linebackers work in the NFL now. Again, this goes back to, I think, the thing I said in the wide receiver podcast where I was like, I they're guys that I just noticed. And I don't. I don't really fucking care about any of the measurables. I I realize Brian Gunakus might, and so this disagrees with it. But my like meathead sports is like Nicole. I always saw Nicole Dean making a play for Georgia and making something happen. And Georgia was the best fucking defense. And why Maybe the best defense we've seen right. other than Alabama exactly. Defense in the last and, two years. and like undersized linebackers, to your point, have worked like Brian Urlacher. Uh, Zach Zach Thomas, like there are examples and of guys this. that can cover are so look look at the Bobby Wagner's. Yes, the, that's like, a really great example. The, the Niners linebackers that are just Fred Warner. Yeah, Fred Warner. I mean, these guys disrupt the Packers all the time. Yes. So why can't the Packers have their own version? And if they got Nicobe Dean at twenty two or twenty eight, I would be thrilled. Yeah. What about Devin Lloyd? Because I like Devin Lloyd a lot. I that I lost so much money against that Utah defense. <laughs> I mean, gosh, how many times was I on Oregon? And it yes. felt like why is why is Utah you know favorite? Is maybe the best Utes team of all time, other than the Urban Meyer, Alex led Alex Smith led team. I like Devin Lloyd a lot. I think he is a playmaker, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm not, you know, this is not 1985 anymore where we need the Dick Butkus, right. you know, in the middle. Um, we don't need slow linebackers. Right, and that, Devin Lloyd like showed he can blitz. He can show he can cover tight ends. I can probably talk myself into Devin Lloyd. I just think at 22, I would expect either a receiver, a lineman, and if it ends up being Devin Lloyd, that's just such a turn from what we've seen. And I, I would make it work. And, and like, this isn't like you're like, oh, this is Charlie Spinzone. It's like, no, I just trust what the Packers are doing. Like, I know what the Packers are doing, and it's usually the right thing. So that's where I'd be fine with Devin Lloyd. It's the opposite of how we trust the Packers in January. Oh, 100%. Yeah, exactly. We trust the Packers in April, not in January. Exactly. And some fans are like, we hate the front office no matter what. And we're so Devin Lloyd, to me, I think would be one of those picks that would make a lot of Packer fans cringe. But Devin Lloyd could then be a premier like defensive rookie of the year type. And then everybody's eating their words by November. Uh, and we saw Micah Parsons make. I mean, I wanted Micah Parsons last year. Right now, I never was thought he, he the Eric, have, was he the Eric Barry Memorial. He was up there. Now I never thought he was going to have ten no. plus sacks. No. And the Cowboys are staying pat and playing him at linebacker. We'll see about that. Um, Leo Chanel, the Wisconsin kid, freak athlete, and yes. that Wisconsin defense was one of the better defenses we saw in a long time for the Badgers. And if they would have any pulse at offense, you know they would have had more success in the Big Ten. 
Where are you at with Leo Chanel? I think it's really good. I think okay. he can stop the run. I think that's the thing that they still need. Like, there were some numbers with Devondre Campbell that weren't great against the run. And if it's like, we can make sure that the running run is stopped, I do worry about the quickness. And I know you're like, okay, yeah, white guy from Wisconsin. But it, it you got to... Well, and Mel Kuyper came on and said he thinks he's only a two-down linebacker. Yeah. He's and that's... The thumper. Mel Kuyper said... You know, in 1985, Leo Chanel would have been a top five pick. Yeah, exactly. That scares me. Yeah, that's a little worrisome. It's like, I don't know if that is worth a the first, second round pick. Is it worth maybe it's, the... He the, sounds he, like Vince Beagle to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that I don't think he's that bad. I think he's better than Vince Beagle. Like, Vince Beagle was, remember, he got picked, I think, what? the four, He was the first pick in day three. So that was... I don't think that's... Leo Chanel's not that Would bad. you rather have Jack Sanborn where he's going to get drafted or Leo Chanel where Jack he's going to get Jack Sanborn. Special teamer, hopefully. Yes. And also, he's a little rangier. He, to me, I feel like you could put Jack Sanborn on edge and make something happen. I'm not saying you could put him there every time, but I think you could put him on the edge and get away with it, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, the, the linebacker I like the most that will be a day two pick is Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma. He is the sideline to sideline guy. Um, he made a lot of impact plays on a bad Oklahoma defense that felt like it was always playing from behind. And he is extremely athletic. He almost reminds me of it, that in-the-box safety type guy that can cover anywhere. So here's the thing with him. This, to me, would be like, hey, we don't want to spend a first-round pick on a guy like N'Kobe Dean because we worry that you, there are worries. We have other Fine. needs. And, yeah, we we have other, and we have other needs. To me, this is basically what you'd get with N'Kobe Dean. Maybe not as good, but Asamoa, it's a similar thing. 6'1". So he's a little taller, but he's 228. Like, he's small. So it's like, how do you – Is that can that happen? Can that work? Yeah. Uh, the other guy I like had some injury concerns but has the pedigree is Christian Harris. He showed up in the national championship game. He he met some of those Georgia uh, running backs like head-to-head, and it was scary. I mean, he is a thumper. He reminds you of what an Alabama linebacker looks like. Dante Hightower you know, comes to mind. A Brandon Spikes out of Florida. These guys, head down, they're mean guys. Um, does his injury history or just the pedigree of guys around him concern you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I also think he had some trouble against the middle of the field. Alabama had some middle of the field concerns with their linebacker. So he, to me, is he a better ver- is he a more athletic version of Leo Chanel? Is that what I'm getting with Christian Harris? I don't know. I, and I thought linebacker was a position we were going to target last year. Last year, there was a lot of good uh, Ohio State you know, linebackers that we never ended up getting. Um, you know, you have to look at the two Georgia guys again. Here. Yeah, Channing Tyndale and Quay Walker. Tin, Tyndale again, another guy who sideline to sideline can definitely move. Do worry about the project thing. He only played a year, full year of playing time. Is that okay? Can you make that because he just played in a system of Kirby Smart where you know what you're getting out of it because of what what it is, right? And so I, I do think. I do think Tyndall is an interesting guy to look at, as well as Quan Walker. Brandon Smith's a guy that's 240 pounds, but an amazing athlete, and also played a lot in the defensive backfield for <laughs> Penn State somehow in 2020 during the pandemic. Here, he's a guy that I like a lot. Played, uh, you know, with Micah Parsons. Um, he's a five-star recruit from Virginia. Um, he is someone that I think, you know, intangibly wise, not even 21 yet. Um, I like as a day two or day three pick as well. Yes, uh, and there, there also, also is the potential of, you know, someone, someone along the lines of Troy Anderson from Montana State, who's a converted linebacker. He, this is his first year playing linebacker, and he's already getting drafted and out of Montana State. Day three could be an interesting. I don't even know what conference Montana State is. Montana State, what are they in? Are they in the Mountain West? Or no, 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 no. They're in the FCS. They're with. They're lumped with the. 
Idaho uh, State. Ida- no, uh, they're lumped in. No, Wyoming's in uh, D1. They're with like NDSU and stuff like that. Okay. So uh, NDSU moving into the D1 though, right? I don't know if that's ever happened. I don't know if they will. But there are guys. Uh, the only other one I think we haven't covered off on linebacker-wise is Chad Muma from Wyoming. Uh, he, speaking of. He scares me a little bit. Like a Wyoming linebacker. Like right. I just don't see it. Yeah, uh, like, like Josh Allen, only notable name. I mean, Wyoming did have a really good defense. So you could see maybe there's something there. With him, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there could be some real, some real issues, and I don't know if he can actually move side to side like we'd want. Yeah, I think the other position here, we're not going to concentrate too much on corner because I think you know Packers fans would jump off a bridge <laughs> if we picked one in the first round. Kid from what Trent McDuffie from Washington. Yeah, that's like. my. That's a horror film, indeed. I mean, that's another Freddy Krueger film, but right there, you could just retape Halloween. Um, you know, we're going to pay Jair Alexander, which it sounds like I am lukewarm on that, um, to say the least. I love Eric Stokes. He was a guy we targeted last year, and he was one of the best rookie defenders, uh, I thought, in the NFL last year. He is a freak athlete, can run with everybody. So I don't think corner is a need as of today. Yes, we do need to replace Chando Sullivan, but we can figure that out. Yeah, that's you know, Samar, that could be Shamar Jean Charles, right? Exactly. Like, we have some guys we've invested in that position over the last few years. But at safety... You know, the Packers have two safeties that are public favorites. Darnell Savage needs to stop jumping when he has an interception opportunity. He cost us the Vikings game at U.S. Bank on the road. He dropped an interception, a free fly ball from Kirk Cousins. I see him do that all the time, leaving his feet. Kyle Hamilton is a dream. I think he is just a playmaker in the Troy Palomalo, uh, you know, way that will be around the NFL for a long time. Uh, but Jaquan Brisker and Kirby Joseph, the kid from Penn State. I love Jaquan Brisker. As uh, the guy from Illinois. I, I think, um, you know, this could be Adrian Amos's last year as a Packer. I thought, actually, we were going to part ways with him, but he did a restructure in terms of, you know, taking care of some money off the salary cap. But I, I think Adrian Amos has been an okay free agent signing. It's always great to take a guy away from a rival. And, you know, Darnell Savage has actually looked at uh, someone the Packers traded up for is not getting – they gave up too much draft value for him. And he was kind of an athlete coming out of Maryland. Right. So I don't think Darnell Savage has really lived up to the hype, and he's someone that we're going to have to pay as well pretty soon here. He's going to have a fifth-year option. The the thing you like about Kirby Joseph is he has a 6'8 wingspan. So the guy can fucking reach for those interceptions, and that's – And when you have three good corners, you're going to want to have guys that can make plays in the middle. What about Lewis Seen, who is a guy who a lot of Packer Twitter – that's kind of a Packer Another draft Georgia Twitter. Guy, right. Yeah, Georgia dude who doesn't necessarily miss tackles and can make plays. So you have him as a guy, maybe you use him more as a rover. And you say, okay, we don't, again, going back to the Dean commentary, you don't want to necessarily draft Dean because of the concerns of the height and the weight. And maybe you then do the safety and you're like, this is our version of Dean. But also he can cover and maybe replace Adrian or Darnell. Yeah, I think we'd actually probably look at more of like a Brian Cook guy out of Cincinnati. Um, you know, another name just for funniness and probably a day three pick is Smoke Monday out of Auburn. Smoke Monday, I mean, <laughs> name yeah. of the draft. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, talk about getting a cannabis sponsor for the Packers. Yeah. So. <laughs> smoke Monday in, in Title Town would be a fun one. Yeah, smoke them up. Like, I mean, the amount of things you could do with Smoke Monday. Monday Savage would be a hell of a pairing <laughs> in the back. In, in, Monday in, Savage sounds like a. Uh, 
That sounds like a mixtape ready to ready to drop. Yeah, I think Little Dirk is working on that right now. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I think safety is going to be a position that we will target at some point because of the special teams value. Yeah. We yeah. have to get better at special teams. Yes, and, no and, question and, about and, it. And we have done it so far by at least getting a better coach. But you're going to know he has guys that he likes to play, and safeties and linebackers play special teams. I, I would have to imagine that we talked about this in a few of those about what the conversations that are going on. I think there's a conversation that's been had with Basicchia and LaFleur and maybe Kunikus too of what do you usually put on what like give us what your what it looks like. And then what I would do and, is take what we what the Packers did, what Mo Drayton did and like how does it compare and then what what are we missing? And then how can that be filled in, whether it be the draft, whether it be unrestricted free agents, how or um, undrafted free agents, excuse me. Which the Packers do well. You know yes. we're gonna have I think we've had an undrafted free agent make the roster uh, since Ron Wolf was a GM. It's like the Badger walk-on thing. It's weird how it like kind of goes in, in tandem, but it's very rare that we miss on somebody there. I think it'll be interesting between Rich and Goody because Rich obviously knows what fits on special teams units. And the problem and the reason I think that we've struggled at special teams is Goody is such a measurables guy. He, we all know the specific statistic he looks at. Yes. You know, I believe he loves broad jumps broad too. Broad jumps, ten yard shuttle. He looks at those guys, and those guys a lot of times have been athletes. They've been raw, um, and they don't know how to play special teams. And that's a college football problem. You know, right? When you have ninety man rosters. You know, your go-to guys are not special teams players. That's why I love Jameson Williams. You know, he yeah. famously got kicked out of the SEC Championship game for a targeting call uh, on a punt returner and then came back in the first game of the college football playoff and laid somebody out again. So finding some people in college football that played special teams and that are draftable, I think is something that Rich is going to ask for. And Goody may be like, well, why are we drafting somebody that doesn't have the upside? Well, Goody, look at it. Has it worked out? EQ, MBS, Jamon Moore, they could not play special teams. Juwan Winfrey was a disaster as a gunner, I felt like. Yeah, he so, couldn't keep contained. It was just too excited. Yeah, no, I, I'll be interested to see if there's anything that changes from a philosophy standpoint when we get, when we get done with it, when we look at it. We're like, wow, this isn't a goody guy, or it's this is like borderline a goody guy, and then we'll wonder, you know, is that the Basikia influence? Is that even Stenovich's influence offensively, where it's maybe a little more O line focused? And who knows how his philosophy will change, but between what Lafleur and Hackett did, I don't know. And I think this is a good transition as we talk special teams, and we kind of reach the end of you know the taping of these yes. draft manifestos. Um, Pat O'Donnell, I thought a great signing. Um, you know, he's a Palm Beach County guy where I used to live. He is a former Bear. He can also he, punt in the cold. He can punt in the cold. Corey Burkhardt could not do. Is he going to be a holder? And is he going to take away kickoffs from Mason Crosby? He's a guy that's kicked off. Before he probably should. He probably should. Um, you know, I, I think it's a copycat league. I know it is. You know, Evan McPherson almost won the Super Bowl for the Bengals. You know, will the Packers draft a kicker? It, they had still somehow have Mason Crosby on the roster. Yeah, the I mean, kickers, I, think, in the league I mean, Cameron Dicker was a great kicker out of Texas. Cameron Dicker was a guy who won Texas games. He's a guy that I think people know obviously has a name that you would know, right? But I think that would be a very interesting sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, also, Jake Camerata is a guy that's mocked 273 overall by Pro Football Focus. Uh, there's actually a long snapper, another position we've really struggled with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan Silver from Arkansas, he is mocked in the top 80 of NFL picks. So, you know, I don't think we're going to go after Matt uh, Arezia from San Diego State, who punts the ball a mile like Pat McAfee. I, I'm a bummer. It's a bummer he could he can, you know, 
just punt. There's actually three punters in the top 200, according to Pro Football Focus, Ryan Stonehouse and Jordan Stout from Penn State. I don't think it's going to be a need. Pat O'Donnell, you'd hope. Sometimes these kickers can go on for you know oh, 20 yeah. years. Absolutely. And you Also, is it a requirement for these punters to all have long hair? Like, Stout has long hair. Ryan Stonehouse has long hair. We got Matt, Michael Turk from Oklahoma. Looks like he long hair. Not that I'm, I'm just it's wondering. Just vibe. I've been to Lou Groza Awards before, which yeah. is the annual award given. How up. much weed is smoked between you know the punters and kickers and those? Yeah, a lot. You think about the the kicker that the Vikings famously drafted from Auburn. Yes, that they released. Now that was and now and that was a killer for the Raiders. Kickers are hard. The to best. Find. Yeah, the kickers best. are hard to find. Um, I actually look at them almost as MLB relief pitchers where they can have a couple stints yeah. before they kind of catch on. And it feels like there's really like five to ten really good kickers in the league. And yes. Other than that, it's a rotating musical chairs. Um, will you be upset if Mason Crosby is our starting kicker in week one? I think I will be, actually. Because I, I – this goes back to something my dad and I talked about when I was a kid. And I, it's a weird comparison, but work with me here. Is we talk about how Brett Favre couldn't do it in the cold anymore. That he got to a certain age where it just didn't work because his muscles got tight, everything got tight, and Favre just couldn't couldn't make it happen. I worry about that with Crosby. Like I think when the whole that game, that San Francisco game we were at, famously, I wondered like it, can Mason Crosby kick this fifty yards? Oh, like no, anything over like 35, right, 40 at this point, right, I'm scared of right, especially in the cold. Like as it gets colder, the muscles, man, and they just don't work the same. I just I don't know if Mason's as reliable as as he needs to be for what the Packers need. Again, talking about that mission about we're out of time. I'd love to get Mason, you know, a Super Bowl, right? But He's a Packer Hall thing. Packer for life, for sure. But I can't. I don't know if I can put my, all my chips in a guy who is too old. And I just yeah. don't know. Mason's a great guy. Somebody I've ran into at Oneida Country Club before. Great golfer, family guy, huge Aaron Rodgers guy. Uh, yeah. And the other thing, too, is, like, I think could could Mason play at, like, the Colts? Could he play in an indoor controlled facility? Absolutely. I don't think the Colts need a kicker that blanket ship. But but to my point, like, I Would just... Would Mason Crosby go kick for the Vikings? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I... You know, I think I would be upset. I don't think we've set up Mason Crosby to have success sure. in his later years with rotating holders, with rotating yep. long snappers. The operation, as they always, as Matt LaFleur always yes. famously says, um, has not gone well. But you have to remember, you know, Mason Crosby went through this, and I believe. 2017, where he had that awful year. Giorgio uh, Tavecchio was right there, ready yeah. to try to take his spot. And we gave him competition in camp, and he showed up. You know, when his, you know, when, when things got tight, he showed up and made a ton of field goals. So it's a tough position to evaluate, but I think if we can get someone that has a more respectable leg, I think it's just long term. There will be a, there will be an undrafted guy if they in don't. Camp. They'll have an undrafted guy. Is a guy on the oh, roster. that's right. Yeah, I forget who he is, yeah, but he's a no name. Uh, and the kickers don't have names until they miss field. Right, exactly. Yeah, Every, yeah. Exactly. People don't know like some random guy kicking for the Carolina Panthers because who cares about the Panthers, yeah, right? And, and as we wrap here, I still just can't believe now that we have someone in the MLB like Shohei Otani that can pitch and hit. Why there hasn't been a prolific guy that can punt and kick? Because think about how much roster flexibility it would save you. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's. I think it it goes to like the specialization of society, right? Where it's like. 
and they, I'm not I'm trying to sound like an old man here, but it's like you're saying your kids can only play one sport. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right. Like it's, it's like, like JJ Watt. Well, it's like I had a. There's a famous story I'm sure I've told it on a podcast where uh, Antonio Freeman, not the Packer Antonio Freeman, who went to Tosa West and he ended up getting a scholarship for the Badgers to be a, a corner as well as a track runner. Didn't work out, um, but he told me freshman year in a study hall that I was in with him. He goes. Man, you, you just got to play one sport. Like, I told him I played football and base, basketball. He's like, football is your money sport. Like, all you should be doing is your money sport. And this was fucking 2003. When he's a freshman in high school. And, and, and so, did, like, did he not know but, NBA guaranteed contracts? No, but, like, but you, well, I was not an NBA player. We all know this. Murph. But the, the fact of the matter is, is, like, I think more and more kids don't play multiple sports. And to bring it back to punting and kicking, I think they just want to do one because they want a scholarship, not just be good at good at both. They want to be great at one. So that's probably why. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe the Rizik, the RZR, whatever, butchered his name, he could be both. I don't know. He's he. I think he's talked about potentially doing both. Yeah, it would be awesome to see. Um, you know, it's just I hate losing games because of field goal. Yeah, it sucks, man. Last time we were at Lambeau, we, we, we had it happen. Yeah, and we saw it before our eyes. Like we, that I've never seen a play so long in my life than that pump. I've I've told the story to a few people now, and I'm like, it was the quietest I've ever heard Lambo. Uh, I've never heard Lambo that quiet. I've never heard just like the the shock, the horror of it all it was like it was like a bad dream that the special teams had finally bit us in the ass, and it was wait, it was been been looming all year, and it finally oh, did it. And especially the last two parts of this two two months of the season, so. You know, you got to be accountable. We cannot lose any more games that way. No. You know, time is dwindling. Yes. And uh, there's a very large money cap hit coming. <laughs> no doubt. All right, man. Well, we will probably check in right before the draft starts, if we can, to just do a last second. Here's what we think. Here's what it kind of has the mocks get, I think, better as it goes on because more guys hear shit. And then it's like we know kind of where everything's kind of maybe mapping out. We'll talk more then. And then, yeah, maybe even a recap after when you're back from Mexico and uh, do that as well. I'll keep jamming on the pro football focus uh, draft scene. You bet. I've spent way too time, too much time on that, and I don't think it's going to happen. Um, we'll just leave you with this as a kind of looming headline for the Packers draft, but I, I'd just be pretty surprised if Jordan Love has moved. I just think it's too bad of, of a quarterback class and a team like the Falcons or the Washington Commanders. They'll just wait a year. Are looking ahead to uh, you know what's coming in the 2023 draft. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Thank Murph again. Uh, you, you guys know where to follow him at Nolan Murphy. Make sure you do, uh, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter. All right, let's do Wisconsin Shotsky. This is a Wednesday tradition for us. Basically, it is breaking down uh, three stories that probably aren't as big of like big topics, shall we say. They're just kind of quick hitters. Um, so we got a few of them. And this is where we're going to weave in the Brewers for today. Uh, the thing we like and we think we don't like from the Milwaukee Brewers win against Pittsburgh Pirates 5-2. to two. Brewers will go for the first sweep of the season. Brewers are now on a three-game winning streak. And first of all, you really like to see the Brewers pile up wins against Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, this is the type of team you cannot lose to. And they are, are they going to lose to Pittsburgh Pirates? Absolutely. You know, it's baseball. It's rare that you're undefeated against the team. But I do think it's important to take series against these teams because it's only going to help your resume in the long run. It's only going to help what you look like come September. I realize I said resume like it's an NCAA tournament team, but you get my point. Like they're just making sure that you get all of the easy wins. The Pirates and Reds are teams that the, the Brewers should take advantage of 
all season. And they did in this series already. Because two wins is always going to be good enough for me. It's a pretty successful homestand now. The Brewers have won, what, four four out of their... Let's see, it was a four-game series. Yeah, four out of their last six. So if they win tomorrow, it would be five out of seven, which would be really good. Um, if not, not a big deal. I'll take four and three. That's totally okay. And then they have their Philly series where they had a day off and then a weird one-day giant series uh, back home. So I like what I liked about this one uh, was Corbin Burns going 100 pitches. Uh, Corbin Burns did not hit 100 pitches till June last season. So the fact that Corbin Burns is already at the 100 pitch mark in his third start of the year says a lot to me. I think it says, A, something he worked on from a stamina perspective. B, it means Corbin Burns can be even more of a factor this season than he was last year. And I know that's crazy to think about because he was a Cy Young. But it really feels like Corbin Burns can be a six or seven inning guy if all things are working right. And if you can get Burns to the seventh inning, it's Devin Williams and then it's Josh Hader. And it's absolutely lights out. The Brewers outfield did not have one put out in this game. It is the ninth time in Brewers history. It's the third time that they've done it with the Brewers pitching staff plus Williams and Hayter. So it's something a little more common, but it's absolutely crazy that the Pirates only left the infield on two home runs from Vogelbach and Van Meter. So great stuff from Corbin Burns tonight. Uh, two bad mistakes, which is whatever. It's going to happen. But 10Ks, I will take that any day of the week. thing I don't like is Jace Peterson. Uh, I know Jace Peterson's filling in for Luis Urias. Uh, Luis, I believe he'll be playing a simulated game on Thursday. So you probably will see Luis back, I would say, in two weeks. I don't think they can wait any longer with Jace Peterson. He, for whatever reason, is in a funk to start the year. Um, the on-base Jace is not that guy. Uh, in three strikeouts today, he's batting under 100. I think you have to go with Mike Rousseau going forward and just eat the fact that he can't really play a lot of defense and that you're going to have a weak third baseman there. Defensively, not that I thought Peterson was that great defensively at third base. I think they're just going to have to eat it. They'll get creative with the shifts. I I feel like that's her answer. Or if you really feel like Brousseau can't play a consistent third base, then use one of your, your pitching, your extra pitching slots for a third baseman, for a corner infielder to fill in from AAA. Because I just can't see Jace Peterson as the answer right now at the third base position. He continues to struggle. They moved him up in the order today. I wonder if that was to kind of help him, see if that would make a difference. It didn't. He struck out three times. So I'm pretty much over the idea of Jace Peterson. Get him back to being a bench hitter, which is kind of where he built his momentum last season. I think that's basically what you have again for the artist previously known as On Base Jace. Mark's Cousins uh, talked to the media yesterday. It was kind of an interesting uh, conversation. There was a lot of slander about Sacramento, but he also talked about Milwaukee and how he kind of got fucked there and how he there was a long-term plan for him. The front office was all on board, and then all of a sudden the rug was pulled out from under him. Uh, my guy Shafty, who Shafty Bro, by the way, ultimate follow uh, during the playoffs. Make sure you're giving him a follow if you are an NBA fan. But he had he screenshotted it, the, the whole thing about, yeah, the rug was taken out from under me. And basically it was like, who could be the one person that would oversee the front office? And that person is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis made the call. Giannis was like, look, I don't want to play this motherfucker. I do, he, this guy can't play defense. 
He's not our type of guy. We don't need a guy like Boogie Cousins on our roster. We'll be fine before Brooke gets healthy. And so I think Giannis made the call. And that's why Boogie Cousins is on Denver fighting his teammates like Will Barton and not playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think Giannis made that call. They were Their defensive rating was 119 over 100 with Giannis and Boogie on the court. It's clear that Giannis did not have chemistry with him. And there are very few players where it doesn't work out with Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Boogie Cousins was clearly one of them. And I'm not as heartbroken about Boogie. I was never as heartbroken about Boogie as some fans were. When he went off for like 30 points at a meaningless April game, everyone's like, oh, we should have got him. It's like, man, the guy... Guys slow as shit. Can't move. We don't need slow guys on our team. We need guys who are going to push the pace and make some noise. Other Shotsky stuff, uh, NBA playoffs. So the NBA playoffs don't really, not a ton of Bucks observations from this one. Uh, you know, the Heat are kind of doing Heat things. Jimmy Butler had a great game. I think Jimmy Butler will always have that one supernova game where he reminds you who the fuck he is in terms of playoffs. That always seems to be a constant with Butler. So I'm not really surprised that Jimmy Butler had a big game. The Hawks continue to be dog shit in terms of betting on the road. Um, They did not win a single bet against the spread on the road this year. That's extremely hard to believe. But they were that bad of a road team this season. They did not win one. They were 0-31 if they go back to Miami, they'll have a chance to go 0-32. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. I don't know what to necessarily make of it. Like, can we find video TikToks of Bogey out at 11 or something? Like, absolutely bananas there. But yeah, I does, it didn't really change anything I thought about with the Heat. I thought the Hawks gave a good fight. And then the, the Heat were able to pull away basically because of Jimmy Butler. But it has been very tough to play in Atlanta. It's 20, they're 20-3, I think, since the start of March. Uh, that place will be rocking on, I think they play Friday or Thursday, whatever day they play. It will be a scene uh, in the Phillips Arena. Uh, as for Carl Towns, Carl Towns, man, I, I, I want to like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Even though the fact they're from Minnesota, even though the fact a lot of Timberwolves fans are Vikings fans, what Carl Towns did was such an Anthony Barr move. That, to me, screams Anthony Barr. And I just, I don't know if I can support that. Like, it's just Minnesota sports doing their thing as usual, being cheap, scummy assholes. Like, that was such a bad, bad play by Carl Anthony Towns. Like, that, like, I don't know if it's suspendable, but I do think it's something that you, the, he will get fined for sure. Uh, with what he did to John Morant, but that's just Bush League, man. That's just so immature, so selfish at Towns, and he's a buster. I don't know. I'm ready to say that Carl Towns is a buster. I do not like Carl Towns. Trade Carl Towns so the Ant-Man can fly. I'm all on board with Anthony Edwards, just like everybody else. Uh, how can you not be? Not have a good game tonight. No one had a good game for the Timberwolves, but I am on board with Anthony Edwards being that dude for the team. If if they could work out a trade to get Zion Williamson to that team for Carl Anthony Towns, I would do it without even blinking. I know Zion can be a malcontent, but fuck it. I mean, could you imagine the dunks between those two guys? It'd be absolutely crazy. They would do like a new, like, you know those old posters like in the 80s? You do like a big timers poster, like a Cash Money Millionaires, which is kind of ironic seeing that Zion just left New Orleans, but I feel like Ant-Man and Zion 
both guys from the South. Like, that's like an epic hip-hop duo, if you will. But yeah, I don't know if they would trade Towns for Zion, but I would for sure trade Zion. I am now on the hill, which, fuck. I gotta admit Eric's right again. Like, I don't know if you guys know my friend Eric. I've talked about him on the podcast before. Some of you might know him. Admitting that Eric is right is one of the worst things that that happens in my life. Like, I, I there are, like, things that are just annoying. But having to admit, because Eric likes to think he's always right. Bless his heart for that. But having to admit Eric is right just drives me crazy. Eric called Zion a bust. I'm not calling Zion a bust. But what I am saying is I would not have Zion on my roster next year if I was New Orleans. The chemistry is too good. Why would you leave this chemistry? Why would you get rid of what they have here? This is something special. You can see it. This is kind of like bubble suns-ish in a way, right? I'm not saying like New Orleans next year is going to be the top team in in the Western Conference and they're going to be fighting to the NBA Finals. Like I'm not going that far, but like New Orleans could be next year's Memphis. Like what's to say New Orleans isn't next year's Memphis? And I think they do it without Zion. I would trade Zion to the Knicks. You know the Knicks want Zion. The Knicks will trade you everything for Zion Williamson. Except for RJ Barrett, who's his dude. And if you get all the picks, and you could just amass this roster, because they have such a war chest already with picks, and you can say, all right, we're going to get Zion. What would the trade look like? I'm going to pull up the Knicks roster. I am... I know this is not really Wisconsin sports, but I'm just fascinated by this Zion story because I like Zion a lot. I think Zion, I'm not in the quote of Zion's a bust, but I do think like they should just keep this nucleus. I am a huge fan of that idea. So do you bring Julius Randle, another malcontent, do you bring Julius Randle back? That's such a bad contract though. Do Maybe it's Julius Randle, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson? Nah, you probably want Emmanuel quickly. I would put Emmanuel quickly in that deal. I would certainly, certainly look at maybe Alec Burks. Uh, he's a little old. But yeah, I I personally would not, would not have Zion on that roster next year. I also had a take too, this is unrelated, that I would rather have Jalen Brunson over Donovan Mitchell. If I had to start a team, I would probably build it with Jalen Brunson first. Not first, first, but like, if I was really talking about how to make like a perfect team, I would rather have Jalen Brunson on that team than Donovan Mitchell. I think what he does in the fourth quarter is so much better than what I see from Donnie Mitch. That's just a personal opinion. I know it's a spicy take. Deal with it. Suns, man, can't really do it in transition. He got ran up and down the court by this young Pelicans team, and Devin Booker has a hamstring issue, and we don't know necessarily the severity of it. That's kind of an issue. It's not great. All of a sudden, now it's lining up for the Warriors. That's wild. And very good bunch punch back from the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, who will continue to fight in that series. I imagine it's going to be raucous in the target center. They're taking the tarps off the top. 19,000, it'll be a loud, loud barn. Uh, I think they play I think they play Sat- Friday. So that will be a quite... No, 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 they don't. They play Thursday. I'm, I'm all off on my playoff schedule. I got, I've literally got everything wrong. Nothing in front of me, whatever. I'm just just flowing, just just you know, hanging out. All right, last thing it'll be a PSA uh, from your boy. So I saw something today that uh, pedestrian deaths are up in the I think it's the state city of Milwaukee. 
And I just wanted to call out that people are assholes. And they do not necessarily use stop signs. I think I've told the story on the podcast if I haven't. And if I have, I'm sorry for repeating it. But so walking my dog a few weeks ago. Gosh, it's probably like two months ago now. And I was walking Lily, um, my dog. And it was in the dark. And I saw this car. And I was like, you know what? This guy's not stopping. There's a stop sign here. But this guy isn't stopping. And he ran right through it. And I, if I don't, if I didn't pay attention, like if I didn't have my head up or realize that this guy wasn't stopping, I'd probably be fucking dead right now. Like, no lie. Like, he was flying. So obviously I screamed at him, which is probably not a good idea. Honestly, it isn't. Just with the senseless murders that are happening in this city, it's probably not worth me saying something and a guy's like, what? And shoots me dead. Um, so again, I don't probably need to do that. But I still called him out because it was absolutely ridiculous and needed to know to slow down. So this is my PSA just quickly as we end the podcast today. Just be careful. Keep your head up. Don't be on your phone when you're crossing a busy street. Don't be checking those bets. Make sure you know who's coming, who's not, and uh, be, be safe out there, all right? Okay. Back tomorrow, live Bucks reaction after um, 11 p.m. Hopefully I won't fall asleep like I did after Bucks Bulls game one. Who knew that eight hours of Easter time with your family would take everything out of you and suck all the energy and the life from you, but it did. Uh, so that sorry about that for game one. Game two, yes. Live reaction after. Game three, I'm going to try my best for a pod. I, I'm, I'm pretty nervous about it. Um, because I have a golf tee time at 9.30. I got to get bets in for Saturday. I have to I have to make sure that, you know, I want to have fun with my friends on Friday night. So it's like, do I just do this podcast hammered? Like, what do I do? I don't know. Where it's There's a lot of brainstorming going on in the old uh, Tab of the Keg offices. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. See you. Bye.